because he first loved me. Amen? <laughs> and what love. And God help us to continue to enter into the depth of that love, to really have a, 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 a correct understanding of just how much our God loves us. Second Peter. Second Peter. Second Peter, we were uh, going to read through Second Peter chapter 2. We've just begun our study of Second Peter. I have uh, labeled this the first read-through. The first read-through. I don't know what it is. I really don't know exactly what it is. That's, that's, uh, the Lord is uh, why. Why the depth of the conviction is becoming so great in my life. Um, but more and more and more, I'm just aware uh, that the Word of God all by itself is, is quick and powerful. And uh, we need more of the Word of God in our lives personally and as a church family. Um, so we would not normally, I do not believe that we've ever read through uh, an, an, a book, an epistle, before we studied it before, just read through it. Uh, but we are going to do that with Second Peter. Now that's kind of a, how would you say this, it's kind of a simple way to start because there's only three chapters. So I don't know if we would do the same thing with Isaiah or not, you know what I mean? It's like we're going to study Isaiah, and for the first year plus, we're just going to read a chapter a week. <clears throat> By the time we get done with that, we have to go back and say, okay, now we're going to read it again so you can remember what we read the first time. And, you know, after five years, we'll be ready for the study itself. Um, but I think we can remember three weeks in a row. So we're going to do this. Again, I, I say this, please, as we, as we preach and teach through the Word of God together on Sunday morning, Sunday night, our Sunday school lessons, be much in the Word of God yourself. Um, it is important to you that you know that what is being preached from the pulpit is accurate. I will not be offended by you searching the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. The apostle Paul preached and taught, and the people that listened to him preach went and checked out to make sure that what he said is what the Bible actually said. It matters to you. Now, it is important to me as your pastor that I'm accurate, that I preach and teach the truth, that I preach it in, in its context, and that I preach it in the spirit with which it is intended. But it is incumbent upon you to make sure that it's true. You need to know this. You need to walk in the light of the Word of God itself. Now, one of the simplest ways for that to be the case, though, is for us to spend time together in the Word of God and to let it speak for itself. Now, I do ask you that you take your ribbon and just put it here so you can flip back a little bit. We're not going to spend as much time as we did last week doing this, but it is important that we, that we understand the context of where we are. Where are we? You're in 2 Peter. If you, uh, if you pay attention to how much is on the left-hand side and how much is on the right-hand side, you'll notice there's an awful lot more on the left-hand side than there is on the right-hand side. In fact, if you took out the maps and the helps and everything that's at the end of your Bible, literally, why don't you just do that? Why don't you take your Bible and pinch to Revelation uh, 22, the end of Revelation 22. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Find out where that is, and then just feel how few pages are left in your Bible. And of course, the vast majority of that is the book of Revelation. So there's very little of the epistles left when we get to Second uh, Peter. Now, if you will do the same thing on the other side, right? If you'll go go back before where you're, you when you were married and your grandmother's name and all of that stuff. If you'll just go ahead and pinch that out for a second, just go back to Genesis chapter one. 
and pinch from there to the end of uh, 1 Peter. See how much that is? See how much more there is on one side than there is on the other side. Now you say, yeah, but it doesn't really matter. But it does. That's one of the problems with American Christianity is we don't understand that our Bible has actually been ordered in the providence of God. And it matters that we understand our Bible in the order in which it was given. Meaning this, there is a progressive revelation in the Word of God. God is preaching and teaching to us intelligently. Now that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? How many of, now by the way, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying how many of you would be glad to, but how many would take your school textbooks and open to chapter 14 and just not worry about everything that came before that, right? Now we'd all be glad to be able to rush right toward the end of our textbooks. But we recognize that they were given to us orderly so that we could understand well when we get to a certain place. Well, they got that. Your teachers got that from God. God is the one that has given us his word, and he has done so precept upon precept, line upon line. And it matters to you. So the context matters to you. If you go back just a couple of books, you find yourself in the book of Hebrews. This is a really important place in your Bible if you're going to understand Second Peter. If you're going to understand Second Peter, it's important that you go back to the book of Hebrews. So Philemon, if you're in Hebrews, Philemon is the end of the pastoral epistles. We're not going to teach through all of our sections of the Bible right now, but the end of the pastoral epistles brings us to the beginning of what's called the general epistles or the reality epistles and i think it's important that you recognize that the general epistles are not just the general epistles they are the reality epistles and it's really important that you understand that what do you really have starting in the book of hebrews god wants to take the instruction that you've received from romans through philemon and help you to understand that what you have listen this is important it's not just a modern version of the Old Testament. What you have is a great high priest who has done and is doing everything for you. It's really important that you understand that. Our Lord Jesus isn't simply the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. He's also the high priest that presents that offering. It's his blood and it's his presentation of that blood that allows for him to also be the high priest that sends forth the Holy Ghost into your heart and life to change you. Do you understand? Listen, please hear me. Jesus Christ came to save you from beginning to end. He paid for your sins, but he didn't just pay for your sins. He ever liveth to make intercession for you and to pour out the power of God through the Holy Spirit into your life that you can be the man, woman, or young person that he wants you to be, amen? Which is even better than what you want to be. It's even better than what I want for you to be. It's even better than what your parents would want for you to be. What Jesus wants for us is awesome. And he's able to accomplish that. Hebrews tells us this. Now, if you just want to go to the end of it, I do think it's important you see the end of this book. Hebrews chapter 13. Because it's going to establish the reality that comes after this. Hebrews chapter 13 says this. Now the God of peace. This is verse 20. Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every 
good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now tell me that's not a marvelous promise, right? God, God making you perfect. Look up here. Please look up here. Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea how many churches in America today are preaching messages about how you can be a better Christian? And here's the, and here's the problem with most of that message is they're not telling, what, telling you what really is required. Here's what's required for you to be a better Christian. You've got to let Jesus make you a better Christian. Do you understand? And listen, that's not semantics. You will not ever make yourself the husband or wife or parent or young person that you're supposed to be. You don't possess the power in your flesh to do it. In you and in me, that is in our flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. That was true before we were saved. It's still true now. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, what's the difference? And the answer is we're talking about the Holy Ghost. Yes? Because, see, Jesus didn't just shed his blood and and apply that to pay for your sins. He did it so he could send forth the Holy Ghost into your life and change you from the inside out. That we would see the change that Jesus makes in you and we would marvel in that change. We would be amazed at what Jesus has done. Now, what we can do ourselves is not very amazing. Now, by the way, there are a lot of books. If you go to the bookstore, Christian bookstore, there are a number of them within, you know, five miles of our church. One, there's one with probably within two miles of our church. If you go to the Christian bookstore and you walk in, the bookshelf is going to be, I'm telling you, just filled, just filled with how-to books, just filled with books that will try to get you in the energy of your flesh to do what you should not try to do anymore. And how do I know that? Because Romans chapter 7 makes it very clear. The good that I would, I don't. The evil that I wouldn't, I do, right? This is a saved person trying to please God in the energy of their flesh. Oh, wretched man that I, not was, I am. I am wretched and miserable and unhappy when I'm trying in my strength to please God with my efforts. But I am perfectly satisfied. I am perfectly joyful when I let Jesus do it through me instead. Now, again, you don't get any glory. You can't brag about yourself because you've done nothing except for let Jesus do everything. Amen? But you can brag. you just got to brag about Jesus instead. And by the way, he's worthy of that boasting. Yes? The God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, he's the one that's going to make you perfect. And notice how much he's going to make you perfect. In every good work to do his work, in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. That which is well-pleasing, that which he is satisfied with, he will work in you. That's amazing. Honestly, you talk about a win-win situation. Yes? I need my sins paid for, God says, I'll pay for your sins. I need you to change me, God says, I'll change you. I need you to make me a better husband, I'll make you a better husband. I need you to make me, you'll do everything, I'll do everything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And by the way, the, the, song, the song that the choir sang, man, I'm telling you, we are looking forward to that day. Yes? Yes? We are looking forward, not only, not only when the penalty of our sin is dealt with and the power of sin is dealt with because that's already true but we can't wait for the presence of sin to be gone completely amen Amen? well i'll tell you there's coming a day there's coming a day it's just around the corner for some of us we get kind of head of the line privileges we'll go before other people amen but then for the rest of us jesus will come and get all of us at the same time and in the moment in a moment 
in the twinkling of an eye. And again, twinkling of an eye is not a blinking of an eye. It's actually the reflection of light speed is basically what it is. In a moment, we will all be changed just like that. Man, I'm looking forward to it. I really, really am. But here's the good news. The change that we need to have made, the progressive sanctification change that we so need. And you know what's really important? I don't need this change less than my family needs this change to be true in me. Do you understand? The problem, really, the problem with your sin is how much it, how much it hurts others. How much it hinders the testimony that Jesus wants to give them of how great he is. So let God conquer sin in your life, not just for your benefit, but for the benefit of those that you love. Let Jesus do his work so that others will see that change and know that he can do it for them also. That's what God wants to accomplish. That's the promise of Hebrews. We don't have time to go through it. The promise of James is that kind of change in our everyday life. Everything, the tongue, uh, our attitude, everything can be conquered by our Lord Jesus. That's the book of James. And then we get to 1 Peter. 1 Peter is even through the midst of terrible, trying circumstances, we can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. These are the promises of God. Now we get to 2 Peter, which is the book we're getting ready to study. In 2 Peter, we have this promise. We have the promise that we can grow in grace and that we can grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the promise. Now, we're going to go into chapter 2, but we have to have a little bit of what's uh, given to us in chapter 1. Let's read a little bit about what's in chapter 1. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. 2 Peter 1, 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Notice that our precious faith is not through our righteousness, but his righteousness. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us unto glory and virtue, whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now here's what you find is this. God wants you through knowledge. God wants you to know the truth as it is in his word, because that word is able to change your life. Let me say this again. I want to say this simply. God's Word is powerful enough all by itself to change your life. God's Word all by itself is powerful enough to change your life. And if you're really in the Word of God, it is Christ that you will see. It is the power of Christ that you will be drawn to. It will be not the acts and the facts. It will be all this, these things so you can win Bible trivia games and stuff like that. That's not what's going to happen if God is at work in your heart. If God is at work in your heart, he will use his word to show you the power of Christ to change you. And you'll rejoice in it. You will rejoice in it to such a degree that you'll have to talk about it to other people. You'll have to. I just have to tell you how great Jesus is. I don't have to. I, I go to a good church. I've got a good pastor. I've got a good family. God has been wonderful to me, but I've got to tell you how great Jesus is. It's really that wonderful, and it's really that simple. Now, now with that, now let's go toward the end. I read it earlier, so we're going to go down to verse 16. 
And this is so critical. As we go into chapter 2, what we see starting in verse 16 is so important to how it is that we can have this knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Now notice what he says. I want you to follow along. Here's what, here's what the Holy Spirit is teaching us through the Apostle uh, Peter. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. Look up here. What Peter is saying is this. First of all, what God wants you to know is simple. What God wants you... Cults. Look, look up here. Look up here. Cults are not simple. Cults are not simple. They have all this special teaching. All this weird extra stuff that you must know. All of these things, by the way, that you can't find in your Bible, you've got to find in their literature. All this extra stuff. And here's what, here's what the Holy Spirit's saying is this. It's not, no, no, it's not cunningly devised fables. It's not clever teaching of intelligent men. By the way, cult, cult teachers are smart. They are. And they're charismatic. In other words, they're attractive. It's easy to listen to them. And they're very intelligent when they're speaking to you. But what God wants you to know is it's simple. What you need to know is simple. It's in the Word of God. And God wants you to be aware of that. We have not followed cunningly devised fable when we may note unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So they are, this is the other good news. Listen, what he's saying is this. Not only is this not some clever thoughts of some other men, I actually saw it. I was actually there. This is incredible to me. He's testifying. Notice what he says when he says this. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, you didn't see much majesty. And don't get me wrong. I'm not tra- talking down about our Lord Jesus. But our Lord Jesus definitely came in humility when he came to earth. Amen? Yes? Right? He was very lowly. He was very common. He was very, very much coming down to us. But there was a time when God the Father pulled the curtain back just a little bit and let those that were present see his glory. Amen? And it's on the Mount of Transfiguration. And, they were, and, and Peter was one of those that was there. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For, we, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So I'm telling you, I'm not listening to what somebody else just taught me. I saw his glory. But then he goes to something more important than his personal experience. And write this down. Your personal experience is not equal to the word of God. Your personal experience may be marvelous. You may have a tremendous testimony about what God says, but it is not equal to the Word of God. Now, by the way, how many of you are on the Mount of Transfiguration? I expect to see zero hands. Just wanted to make sure you understood that before I asked the question. None of you were on the Mount of Transfiguration. None of you. So none of us have this personal testimony and there is no greater personal testimony than this one but then it says this in verse 19 we have also a more and here's where you get out your pen and underline more sure word of prophecy this is incredible more sure word more important than the testimony of christians is the word of god This is what's wrong with modern Christianity. Modern Christianity has converted to the testimony of people about spectacular things as if that's the power of God. No, no, my friend. The Word of God is the power of God. Right? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the 
Power of God unto what? Salvation. To everyone that believeth. You want to have the power of God? Read the word of God. You want to have your life changed? Let the word of God change your life. That's what he's saying. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you, ye, you all, do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So there is coming a day. Look, look up here. There's coming a day when the word of God will be in you perfectly and completely. There is coming a day. There's coming a day when we will, when this corruptible shall put on incorruption. Amen? Uh, we learn that in Corinthians. Corinthians makes it very, very clear. Boy, i tell you what. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. But for the last four months, getting up and down is getting harder. Now, some of you, some of you have been there, done that, and got the T-shirt already. I understand that. I'm getting to the age now where I've, I've had bad knees for a long time, but I'm getting to the age now where my knees have really said to me, we'd rather you either get up or get down, but stop changing this position, okay? If you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, sit, but don't keep getting up and down, okay? It's just, it really, I mean, and, and we're talking about they make funny noises. They're threatening. I think it's just they're threatening to me. This may be your last time. Whatever you want to get this time, go get it because you may not get up again, all right? So this is happening. I am, I am, you know, in my eyes, you know, I, I thank you for your prayers for my eyes. I, I, I don't, you know, when we are doing the welcome chorus, when we're doing the welcome chorus, I realize how bad my eyes are because I can't read and sing anymore at the same time. If I don't know the words already, I can't read them and sing them. I know, and I know that sounds, and some, again, I know some of you have bad eyes and you understand this. We're falling apart. Soon, there's going to be a day dawn, and it's all going to be over. It's really going to be over. And boy, I'm looking forward to it. I really am looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being in the presence of Jesus in a perfect body with no sin and just worshiping him and not being distracted by anything else. How many of you would confess that in your quiet time of worship with the Lord Jesus that the oddest thoughts will come into your mind and distract you from that worship? Anybody want to testify to that? Anybody looking forward to that not being true anymore? Amen? Because he's, worthy of, he's worthy, worthy of better attention than that. Amen? He's worthy of better things. Here's the good news. The Bible tells us that this sure word of prophecy is going to get us from this point to that point. In other words, in my life, as I continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, which is this very book tells us about this, how can I continue to grow? And the answer is just keep opening your Bible. Listen to me. Keep opening your Bible. If you're opening your Bible to check a block, you're missing the purpose of opening your Bible. Do not open your Bible so that you can have had your quiet time. Open your Bible so that you can draw close to the God who gave you his word. And so that he can use that word to conform you to the image of his son. The greatest thing that can happen in your life is that the word of God can so conform you to the image of Christ that it will change your family's life. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? I need to be changed, not just so that I'm changed, but so that we can all be changed by the change that we see in each other. That's what God is wanting us to understand. Now notice what he says he goes from here. Knowing this, it says in verse 20, knowing this first, 
that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, your Bible is an open book. You can read the Word of God and count on the Word of God because God wants you to be able to do so. There is no part of your Bible that's in a secret place somewhere buried in a cave and only a few people know about it. In other words, there's no Gnostic understanding. There's no knowers who know more than God would have you to know. If you have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will teach you the Word of God. The Holy Ghost will use the Word of God to teach you and to train you. No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen? So here's what we have. We have a completed word of God in the Old Testament at the time that this is being read. And here's what it's saying. You can count on it. You can count on it. More than the testimony of Peter or John about what they have seen or heard, you can count on the word of God. That's an incredible testimony. Do you understand? What he's saying is this. By the way, this is being said by a man who's right now being used by that same Holy Ghost to give us more of the word of God. But the point that he's making is it's not about his testimony or his experience or what he's been through. It's about thus saith the Lord in his own word. Boy, how we need that. But while there were those who were moved by the Holy Ghost to give the word of God, verse two of chapter, excuse me, verse one of chapter two begins this teaching. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily, privately, shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And we're living that in the United States of America. We're living this. We're living this. We are living in a country where going to church, the people who quote-unquote go to church are actually hurting the testimony of the one who came to die for the people of America. Do you understand? Where, where the hypocrisy of American Christianity exceeds the testimony of the Word of God. Why? Because there are too few people devoted to the Word of God. You must be devoted to the Word of God because it's the only thing that can change you and it's the only thing you should be talking about when you're testifying. Do you understand? Listen, I'm not overstating this. The problem in America is this. The person at work who is the one who should least talk about Jesus is the one who won't shut up. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? We've all worked with that person. They have no real deep devotional relationship with God, but they sure have a lot of religion in their life. And they are looking down on everybody from their high horse, high horse mentality, and they are using the Bible as a two-handed weapon, assaulting everybody that they work with. And because those of us that are really new creatures are not allowing the Word of God to make the change in our lives that God can and is making in our lives to the degree we can't simply peacefully and quietly say to that person, listen, my brother, don't worry about what that person says. They don't really know the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you how wonderful he is. Because to that person, too many of us are just like that other person. There's got to be the change, and we can't make the change. God's got to make the change. It says, many shall follow their pernicious ways. Many. There will be false teachers, and many will follow them. And we're living in that right now. Verse 3 says, and through covetousness, 
shall they with feigned words through covetousness. Now, what's covetousness? Everybody, we all understand what covetousness is, right? I want what you've got. Tell me Joel Osteen doesn't have a problem with that. Right? I didn't use his name last week. Most of you weren't fooled by it. I don't say this to be mean-spirited, but it's not okay. It's not okay to pretend to talk about Jesus while you're really deceiving the people that are hearing what you're saying. The Word of God has to be, has to be what we're preaching and teaching. The Word of God has to be what we're preaching and teaching. And through covetousness, they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Now, now listen, look up here. Please look up here. Here's the good news. We don't have to spend our time chasing down the false prophets and beating them with a stick. Do you understand? We just have to avoid them. Okay? He that's a heretic after the first and second admonition, reject. Just reject. Just say, you know what? This is not healthy teaching. I don't have to have any part of this. By the way, what you'll get out of chapter 2, we're not, again, we're just, kind of, we're just reading through it, but what you'll get out of chapter 2 is this. It matters. It matters who's teaching you your Bible. It matters. It matters that you're teaching it to you in the context that it's actually given and not just in a cultish way where they give you a couple of verses here and a couple of verses there. For if God, in verse 4, for God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of God, excuse me, Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example to those that should, should live un, after should live ungodly. And, and by the way, notice this, this, is, this is semicolon, 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 right? And delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds the lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government period it's a long sentence so here's what it says here's what it says God knows who's really doing what. That's, just a, that's, a, that's a simple way of saying what we just read right there. God knows the false teachers. God knows why they're doing it, and God will judge them for it. So here's the good news. We don't have to do it. Amen? We don't have to do it. This, is, this was so helpful to me. Dr. Sells, a man who helped me so much in my, in my young Christianity, this is what he said. Don't spend any of your time studying crooked sticks. Just study the, the straight stick. Just study the straight stick. Do you, do you know how they teach? Uh, I don't know if they still do it. It, it, it. At the time that this was taught to me, it was true, and it may probably is still is true. Do you know how they teach tellers to tell a $20 bill, a real $20 bill, a real $100 bill? And they don't teach them all of the fallacies and all the other bills. They just have them handle the real thing. And then what happens is this. They're counting the money, and they get to one $20 bill, and they just put it aside. Why? Because there's something wrong with that one. What is it? I don't know. I don't have to know. It's not a real $20 bill. Do you understand? That's what God wants to do in your life. God doesn't need you to study all the crooked sticks. Just study the Word of God. Then when you hear a false teacher, you'll simply say this. Hmm. Now, this, this chapter is going to help us a little bit with that. It's going to tell us that there are slightly different kinds of false teachers. They have different motives, in other words. There are certain things that false teachers want, and, but it's prevalent. They all want one of just a couple of things. And what God wants you to say, see is this. 
the preachers and teachers who don't just keep pointing you to Jesus, be concerned about that. It's not about the preacher or the teacher. It's not about the church even. It's about the Lord Jesus. Amen? Presumptuous. Are they? This is in verse 10. Self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of things that they do not understand and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And they shall receive the reward of the unrighteous as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytimes. Spot these are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you having eyes full of adultery and cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and have gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Basor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, flesh excuse me, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome... Of the same he is brought into bondage. For this, for if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Now let me stop here for just a moment. Here's what's happened. Now I gotta go back. In Sunday school, I talked about this. I remember being What's, how would I word it? Drawn. I can't even explain exactly why. Drawn somehow to Jesus of Nazareth in my Bible. I remember when, 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 when Bob Bornfleth, the person who led me to Christ, pointed me to my Bible, this is what he said. Just open your Bible and ask God to show you the truth. And so I opened the Bible and asked God to show me the truth. And here's what I saw. I mean, honestly, this is what I saw when I, when I humbled myself and asked. This is what I saw. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus was marvelous to me suddenly. Marvelous to me suddenly. Now here's the thing. So I became a follower of those that taught this book. Here's the good news. The people that I followed led me to the Christ of the Bible itself. Not some cult, not some strange, weird thing. So here's what happened. I was rescued from myself and saved. But here's the thing. There are people who go to church to meet Jesus, and they meet, meet the nonsense Jesus that that place teaches about. He might be the Jesus of the Rolex on every wrist. Do you understand? He might be the, 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 the Jesus of the name it, claim it, whatever you want kind of a thing. He might be the Jesus of the come as you are, stay as you are. It doesn't really matter. That might be the Jesus that they preach. All of those Jesuses, what that does is this. They are all false Christs that make the people worse off than they were before they came to church. And so it does matter, and it is important that we simply preach the truth of the Word of God in humility and let the Word of God change the lives. Amen? Do you understand? Listen, please hear me. This is really important. Is Jesus changing your life? 
Not is the church changing your life, is Jesus changing your life? And if he is, what is he using to change your life? Because if the answer isn't the word of God, something, the wrong thing is changing your life. Your thoughts aren't powerful enough. My clever sayings aren't powerful enough. The word of God is the only thing powerful enough to change our lives. And God wants us to be aware of this and concerned that this not happen to people that we know. Um, you know, how many of you have, have had a family member who was being convicted about sin finally after much much prayer and then and the next thing you know they're hanging out in one of these cults and you're like oh whoa lord don't let this be where they go anybody anybody testify to that here's the good thing you can here's the thing you can do about that one you can just tell them and you don't have to be you don't have to be mean about it you don't you don't have to be mean about it you can simply say this my my friend my cousin my uncle my brother whatever they are listen every place is not equal boy i didn't know that when i was saved this might, I mean, some of you might have grown up going to church in a good church. I didn't grow up going to a good church. So when I got saved, I just thought everybody who went to church was saved. And I just wanted to be around a bunch of people that were saved. The next thing I knew, I kept finding myself listening to, to these teachers and thinking, that's not what the Bible says. It's like, who, I mean, who am I to be telling the guy who's up in the pulpit, that's not what the Bible says. But I was amazed at how many churches that I visited where that's not what the Bible says. I didn't have any interest, by the way, at standing up and saying to everybody, excuse me, let me make sure I tell you what the Bible actually says. I was just literally confused. I, had, you know, I was at a charismatic church, and the message was over, and somebody made the mistake of asking me what I thought of the message. And so I told them. I said, that, that message, that, that, I mean, I had my Bible still open to the passage. And I said, look at what he, do you, hear what, you remember what he said, right? These were his three points. This is what the passage says. Jesus doesn't have a pillow in this, literally. Like four verses later, Jesus doesn't have a pillow. And this guy was saying we should all have Rolexes on our wrist. I said, Jesus doesn't have a pillow and I'm supposed to have a Rolex? I said, I'm not trying to be unkind, but that doesn't make any sense to me at all. And again, I wasn't even being mean-spirited about it. It just didn't make any sense to me. And then I found out what a Baptist heretic looked like, me. And I'm, not, I'm really not exaggerating. They literally, literally, they were called ushers. They should have been called bouncers. They came and literally, li- literally, I'm not a small guy, you know what I'm saying? And two of them literally lifted me off the floor and carried me to the door and dropped me out onto the street in front of the church. And here's what I knew when I was sitting on the floor. Because I'd asked the Lord Jesus, I just want to go where you want me to go. And I remember literally sitting in a suit, by the way, sitting there in a suit on the, on the, on the, on the concrete in front of this building. It wasn't a church. And I said to my, I just started laughing. I said, well, that's not the place. I don't know where it is, Lord, but that's obviously not it. But listen, I was not trying to be clever or know-it-all. Or, or, I wasn't. I just wanted to, I just, all I wanted was somebody to teach me what Jesus wanted me to know. And see, that's all we want. If you're with us today, all I want for you is to trust the Word of God and to grow in the grace and knowledge that this book promises. We're going to get to that in chapter 3. But do you notice how chapter 2, chapter 2 is just like, be afraid, right? Be very, very afraid. There's a reason why. Go to the end of the book. Go to the very end of the book. Chapter 3, verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? So the whole point of chapter 2, it's the beware chapter. Beware. Everything's not equal. Beware. It matters where you get taught the Word of God. It does matter. But here's, and here's the thing. 
If you want to be, if you want to be confident in the preaching and teaching, find this out. One of, this is one I love, J. Vernon McGee. As a baby Christian, you know, J. Vernon McGee is not a perfect teacher, I guess. I mean, he was perfectly helpful to me, I'll tell you that. You want to know why? Because he just, what was the name of his, anybody know the name of his, his program? Through the Bible. You know what he did for five years? One book after another. Amen? That, that's teaching right there. And that's all God wants for us right there. It's just the Word of God, that the Word of God would dwell in us richly. That God would use the, the God, the Holy Spirit, would use the sword of the Spirit to change our lives. Amen? That's what it's saying. We need to finish the rest of the chapter and we'll be done this morning. It says, it would be better for them, verse 21, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. So those who were searching out for the truth and they end up going to these places and believing the nonsense that's there instead of fleeing it or getting thrown out of it. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. There is preaching and teaching that will tickle the ears of everybody that wants to have their ears tickled. There is. You can find a church that will teach whatever nonsense you need so you can live your life the way you want to or you can let the word of God change your life and it's just that simple it's just that simple now what I want you to see we'll begin next week we'll go to chapter three but I want you to remember between now and then is this just just let the word of God change your life just let the word of God and and by listen I I know I said this before but I want to say it again how many of you have okay I'm gonna somebody how many of you have what's a smartphone? Anybody have a smartphone? Raise your hand if you have a smartphone. Probably all of our phones are smarter than we are, but that's not the point I'm making. How many of you have a phone that will take apps is really what I mean. You can put an app on your phone. Raise your hand if that's true. Okay, Chris, Chris, can you raise your hand yet? No, not yet. Chris is working on it, okay? Okay. By the way, in Chris's defense, Chris sends out a verse every day that he types on a T9 phone. All right? All of you that aren't sending out a verse in the, in the little verse circles every day, you should be ashamed of yourself. Not only does he send them out, they're accurate, they're even spelled correctly. I marvel at it. I read and think, man, that's actually spelled correctly in everything. Amen? I copy and paste, and mine's not always spelled correctly, okay? If you have an, if you have, I mean this, I'm not, I mean, all joking aside, if you have a phone that's smart enough to have an app on it, then you can have your Bible in your pocket everywhere you go. You can listen to it in the car everywhere you go. There are free apps that will play your Bible to you in your car, either through the speakers in your car or through a Bluetooth headset. Let the Word of God be in your life. Let it be in your life more than it is. You need the Word of God. Do you understand that? And you need the God of that Word. That's the thing. You need the Word of God because you need the God who gave that Word. That's what you need. Father, thank you for giving us these couple of minutes together this morning. Lord, I thank you for your Word, which is quick and powerful. And I thank you for loving us. I thank you for the music we were able to be blessed by together this morning. I thank you for the reading of your Word. Lord, I thank you for the prayer. I thank you for everything you're doing in our life. Lord, I ask you that you would use what we just looked at together, just the the simple word of God in our lives that we might know Jesus and worship him and love him and because of that, love each other and love those that don't even love us. Lord, that we would love our enemies. Lord, please bless us. There are people around us who who need to see someone who disagrees with them love them. Please, Father, make us such people. Help us in this country that we can show forth the love and the goodness and the grace and the power of Christ to those who need it so much. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand.